The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for the podcast. My husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer of the podcast. Today's episode is episode number 302, and we are closing in on the end of our sixth year. We are right in the thick of the holidays. We sincerely hope that if you or someone you know needs to get into treatment, that they do it sooner rather than later. You know, with the whole fentanyl um, situation, drug addiction is even more dangerous than it ever was before. So we sincerely hope for each of you for this holiday season that you or your loved one are clean and sober. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and please give us a five-star rating so that people can find us when we um, when they look for podcasts about addiction when they need help. And also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. So today we have an interview, and um, this interview is similar to ones we've had before because it's an interview with a parent. Um, after the loss of a child. We are going to be talking to Kay Sumner, and I'll tell you a little bit about her. She's an Emmy-nominated producer and film director. She's ex- She has extensive production experience, including three Emmy nominations and two People's Choice Awards as the co-creator and producer for The Dog Whisperer with Cesar Milan. She and her husband, Murray Sumner, established the nonprofit foundation, not one more time in 2018 for the purposes of creating, packaging, and disseminating film, print, and media educational content. The motivation for its creation was due to the unfortunate loss of their 43-year-old son to a drug overdose. They struggled to understand how this could have happened and how it could have been prevented. Filmmakers by profession, they chose to channel their grief and turn their talents into creating a documentary that would expose the destructive path that opioids can cause in the lives of everyday normal people. The result is a critically acclaimed 54-minute documentary film entitled Survivors. It is the assembled stories of the journey to freedom from addiction. Let's talk to Kay Sumner. Kay and Marie Sumner, thank you both so much on your vacation for being on the podcast today and being willing to share your story and your son's story in an effort to give other people hope. Well, thank you for having us. Uh, we're, uh, we're very happy to share our story because uh, this is a story that we really do not want another parent uh, to go through. So um, we, uh, we're, we're glad to uh, to share it with the world. And I appreciate that because so often I think that when something like this happens, there can be a tendency on the part of um, people to want to hide it um, with shame or guilt or what have you. And I think that while I understand that, I think that people such as yourselves who are, are willing to instead um, take the story and bring it to others in an effort to, as you say, make help ensure that no one else goes through what you guys have gone through. I appreciate that very much. I really do. You're definitely not alone, 
but I think that there's still a majority of people that just don't want to talk about it and don't want to admit it. So I, I appreciate you both very much. Tell us, um, tell us your son is Josh, right? He was Josh. Okay. Tell us about his history. What happened with him? Well, Josh uh, was a musician from the time he could, <laughs> he could, maybe six years old, he had a saxophone and he was determined to play it. And it was bigger than he was. And he lived and breathed music. And he got into jazz for very early. Uh, he, we took him to lessons and the, the saxophone teacher was a jazz musician. And then when we moved to California, he came out and the teacher at the high school was a very prominent uh, jazz musician as well. So his goal was to move to New York and to set himself up as a jazz musician, which he did very successfully. And he, he, he was always like a half musician, half social worker. Like one of his projects in Harlem where he lived, there was a fruit seller of vegetables uh, right on the sidewalk. And Josh got to know him. And the fruit seller had a clientele of little old ladies who lived in Harlem with these wonderful big apartments. And when young musicians came to town and had nowhere to live, they somehow ended up getting advice from Josh. And he would set them up in these apartments for the little old ladies, because they love, ladies love the young men will take the garbage out, <laughs> they would walk the dog or whatever in these big apartments. And these, these kids had a safe place to be. And he got written up in the New York Times about it. Wow. So it was, uh, it was the kind of thing he was doing all the time. He was always on the phone with somebody needed a job or needed food. Or, and he had the tiniest apartment ever, I mean, it's about the size of our bathroom. And he was, he would take in friends and they'd be sleeping on the floor so they wouldn't freeze because they didn't have enough money to pay their rent. So as far as wonderful people, Josh was really fabulous. And Sounds like it. And he never, I mean, he never did anything really selfish or stealing or criminal or involved in drugs. It, it was totally off, off our comprehension. That he, he, For example, we came to visit him in New York and he met us at the subway. We took the subway to Harlem. He was there. He had hats and mittens. Knowing that we came from California, you're going to need these. You guys have no clue what this is going to be like. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the kind of selfless, sensitive person he was. And we knew right from the get go. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. We knew from the get go that we had a protege in our hands. And so we did everything we could to support that uh, right from when he was young, taking him, you know, to, to lessons. And uh, even, you know, the second person when he was in high school who said, you know, you really need to invest in this because he has a talent. And so 
you know, we, we did that all along and we supported him and, you know, always told me, you're going to need a day job, you know, but <laughs> yeah, he just be, would be a he, dentist. He said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a professional jazz musician. And uh, so we said, okay, you know, <laughs> but I would we say- took him out to busk on, on, on a street corner one time when we lived in Toronto and it, we, we just sort of hit around, hit out around the corner to see how he did. And, uh, he uh, he made like what twenty dollars or so, but at the end of the night, I think he gave most of it away <laughs> to the homeless people. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, it was I got kind of encouraging to him. That, I got to you know, tell you how much I this. I appreciate that you guys did that because so often, you know, parents are concerned when their when their child wants to do something like art or music, and. Um, you know, the fact that you guys supported him. I love the story about the street corner. I love that. And the fact that you would support him in doing something like that. I think, I think that's huge. When did you guys know that something had changed? How old was he? When did you know? Well, we didn't ever know it had changed because he, he was always the same with us. There was no sign of him doing drugs at all he's but he's now you know he's 43 years old and he's living in new york and so really once over 30 you're not too concerned with him he didn't start doing drugs until he was like 38 wow and had some kind of emotional issue and he played the saxophone his partner played the trumpet and the trumpet player said oh try this you know this will make you feel better. Make you play better. And, uh, and that was his goal, you know, to play better every single time he picked up the phone, the saxophone. So, so uh, he tried it, and that was the beginning of the end. I mean, but we didn't know because his behavior was totally normal. It wasn't till an ex girlfriend told us that did we know he was doing this? And we're like, no, for sure we didn't know. And I mean, really, there didn't seem to be any change in him. Hmm. He was working like two, three jobs. He was playing. The thing with his schedule, I mean, it was always weird, but because he worked at night uh, and late into the night and he wasn't particularly unhappy. You know, he he's pretty much in a good mood all the time. Um, so it came as a pretty big shock. I mean, total shock. And Josh is my fourth child. He was born on my birthday. Oh, wow. So I we tried to get together every birthday. So there, there's not a like a bad story to tell about this kid who's gone off the 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 rails and met bad people. His friends are fabulous. He worked for a doctor. He repaired saxophones and he played all the time with a group. And he had a good group of friends that, uh, for the most part, I don't think they were into any of this. Okay. Just so it was to- more just from the musicians that he was acquainted with who basically said you would be a better player. Did he, do you know, did he start with heroin? Did he start with something else? Heroin, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't. Oh, okay, straight to the hardcore, okay. He wasn't, as a kid, he wasn't even interested in marijuana. Or he didn't experiment. He didn't, he wasn't getting drunk. He wasn't 
racing car, nothing. He was just a good kid. Wow. Just one bad mistake of trying that um, to feel better because of this emotional thing he was going through at the time. Right. I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm, what a horrific way to find out that he'd been using drugs and yeah, I'm sorry. But you two, rather than doing nothing and giving in to the grief, which again, I think is not uncommon to have happen, you guys decided to do something about it. So tell us about that. What, what did you decide there? We decided uh, because of our filmmaking background that uh, we should take those God-given talents that we have and that we're successful at doing and put those into a, an, a narrative and a documentary that would um, basically um, change the narrative on what this stuff is that is causing this and what, what is really going, out, going on uh, out there under our very noses. Yep. And so we, it, it took a while. We, we kick-started it with uh, some um, people we knew in LA. Um, we, we essentially interviewed uh, addicts who were successful in um, getting off of their addiction. And so we wanted to know how, that, how, how they did that. Right, And we also wanted to expose the fact that this is not just happening to that guy over there who's under the bridge. That guy over there who's under the bridge may have started out as, you know, our son. Yep. But in your case, no, no. But um, he was somebody's son. And, yep. you know, this every, every parent's nightmare is that their son or daughter would become victim to something that it would, you know, blindside them. Yep. So, um, you know, we have produced a film, uh, it's called Survivors, and um, we, in fact, just uh, uh, yesterday, um, finished a, uh, a film festival called The Ethos, and it's a, a Los Angeles-based, uh, Santa Monica-based festival that is um, supportive of uh, films like ourselves that are um, trying to Ethical. To, yeah, ethical and, and life-changing things. So Trying to make um, a difference, not just entertainment. You know, they, they, what they, their tagline is purpose-driven. Yeah. And so yeah. Our film was purpose-driven. And um, it, we've, so far, um, we, we actually won an award in that. And uh, we have, I think, 18 awards now so far. Wow. So we're continuing to um, put it through uh, festivals um, in hopes that... Uh, we can uh, really put it out there, you know, in front of people. I, and for me, I, I've always been a producer. Mm -hmm. I've really never been a director. I've always felt there's somebody who's trained as a director and it would be better than I am at it. But in this case, we have done this through our own, we paid for the whole thing. And I said, okay, I'll direct it. But to go out and interview these people, oh, my gosh. It's like I'm in the bathroom crying, mm -hmm. getting in my mind in a place. And I just keep saying, okay, you're professional. You know this business. You can do this. And then my goal was not to have 
people talk at a distance. But really tell me, I mean, because to me it's a, such a bad decision. Why would anybody make this bad decision? I mean, really, I, I can't even comprehend making a decision to do heroin. It, it, it's incomprehensible to me. Right. So I had to have a way that they could open up to me without shame, without blame, without feeling cornered. And that was a big challenge. And then having done that, to treat them with great respect and not either commercialize what they're saying, because they told me different ways they got off right. uh, the drugs. And I found when the film was done, I was asked to change it many times to change how they got off. And I'm like, how can I change their story? That doesn't make sense. Mm -mm. And so we, we just said, okay, even if this ending isn't popular, we have to do it. And, you know, one person got off through a Jewish community center Others got off by like the 12 step program, but it came into believing in God and believing in a higher power. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. Or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes, the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. Right. And that seemed to be essential to getting them off. So we wouldn't change that. And I'm sure... And I can't imagine anybody would tell you to change that. I mean, the point is that these people get clean and sober, and it's it's a very difficult road to go down because... As you know from, I'm pre I know I'm preaching to the choir, but these drugs are physically addictive, they're mentally addictive, and they're spiritually addictive. And when I get someone on the podcast who is clean and sober, I don't care how they got clean and sober, but I validate them for being clean and sober because it's not easy, you know? Or hard, yeah. And I don't, I can't imagine anybody would say, change that, but that's not the truth. Well, we had... We interviewed 40, more or less, I, I, at least 40 people, and then picked out the the best stories of having a beginning uh, uh, that talked about the process and then the, how they got off 
and where are they now? That we went through that whole process. Mm-hmm. And they needed that higher power. Absolutely needed the higher power. So no, I, I mean I got turned down from some really great places because there was an element of God in it. Mm-hmm. Wow. It is discouraging, but we're saying, okay, we have, it has to be 100% authentic because authentic in television is dreadfully missing. And I really, we would dog whisper. We were really worked. We didn't make anything up. What you see is what you get. It was very authentic. And to me, authentic is fascinating. It's really different actually. It, you're correct. And there's so much, I, I don't mean to say this because I know it's kind of funky, but there's so much false news out there. And there's so much that is dramatized and manipulated to look a certain way. And I don't think you can do that with these people's stories, not, not, and be, you know, honest with them. I, I, I appreciate your integrity in this area. I really do. Because I can understand it would be discouraging. You know, you get told you can't do it because the way these people got clean, what, they don't like it? They want you to ch- I, I'm like... Oh, oh. We did. We let them tell their stories in their own way. Yeah. And when you see the film, you'll see Shana is in the bathroom, hardly dressed, trying to shoot up for four hours. She gave me that that footage of her to put in the film. I mean, I mm-hmm. incomprehensible to me. Wow. Our first big hurdle was getting people to open up and finding people that even talk about this whole thing. Yep. It, it mean, because there is, and the parents, we tried to talk to parents, forget it. They, they won't, they'll move out of town and mm-hmm. deny this and, cover it up it's it's really a, we gotta to me my big goal now is to kill the shame bug yeah it's holding back progress and it's hard to get people even to watch our film because of the subject they don't want to know and if yep. you, you watch a lot of the shows on television it's guys in the middle of the night with masks on and in dark creepy places and in inner city but this isn't an inner city problem. This is a third of the population. Mm-hmm. The other night we at the film festival, there were, I don't know, 100 people in the room. And Murray asked, how many of you have been touched by a death of somebody? Oh, okay. It's two-thirds of the room. Raise their hands. Yeah. yeah. That's what I say on the podcast. You know, it's why we do it. Steve and I don't have, we were not, we're not former addicts. We don't have family members who are addicted. We have not lost anyone to addiction. But if you can take a look at this program, I mean, not this program, this problem, this pandemic, and say that it doesn't affect you, you have your head where the sun doesn't shine. That's the bottom line. Yes. Thank you very much. You're absolutely right. It's the truth. This, this, you don't know who's driving in the car next to you. You don't know. You, it affects everybody. It's not an isolated situation. And the more people don't want to talk about it and want to hide it and give in to the guilt and the shame, unfortunately, that just prolongs the stigma and adds power and force to the stigma, which is unfortunate. But it's why I, I applaud you both, both so much for, you know, not only willing, being willing to tell your son's story, but to 
tell other people's story and tell their story the way it actually is. Appreciate it very much. It's very, to me, it's just radically important because it's the only way we're going to normalize things and people, it's the same, if they had a problem with a broken leg, they'd go get it fixed. But having someone who's many, many people tried the drug once and were hooked. Yep. And no one seems to be aware of that. Kids are still saying to me, the interview people say, oh, I thought I'd try it. I tried this and I could do it. Why not that? Mm -hmm. But and many die for the first time. Uh -huh. Matter of fact, when Josh, Josh had taken one year to get off Suboxone, he had gotten on that to get off heroin. And he, every day he took a little tiny bit less, day after day after day. And he said it was horrible. His legs he said that's what they call it, kicking the habit, because he couldn't control his legs and he got ill. And, but he came out to visit us, and he had gotten down to, he had started off with two tablets of Suboxone, and he'd gotten down to, you know, almost a couple of grains, just a barely. And finally, he'd gotten totally off of it, wow. and he knocked on our bed door that morning he said mom i had none last night i made it through i had none i'm wow. so happy i'm so proud of myself mm -hmm. and he started talking about how he had feelings that he hadn't had in years and yep. uh colors and he was excited about life well it was like two weeks later he was dead because mm -hmm. he went back and did it again. because there yeah. are physical <laughs> cravings that don't stop right our film addresses uh, a lot of the the, uh, the subtopics of this. This isn't just a film that says, well, you know, if you do what these people did, you'll get off. You know, we, we talk about relapse. We talk yeah. about sickness. Yeah. And you see the struggle that some of these people had, you know, relapsing six, seven, eight times, you know. And, and the stories uh, are pretty incredible. I mean, we had, we, we went to Dayton, Ohio, uh, which is the you know, epicenter of the two crossroads of two major interstates. So there's drugs coming up from Mexico, intersecting uh, human trafficking, et cetera, coming east-west. And so we chose to interview individuals there, and um, their stories are horrific. And um, we have a lot of, of cutting room floor footage that we're now attempting to put into little mini docs um, and put them up on YouTube so that people can see further stories than what is actually in our film. But, um, you know, the, the film is, it's a redemptive film. It's called Survivors. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there is, there is a, one of the people does not survive. So you mm -hmm. see a full interview with this gentleman and then at the end of it, um, it's not with us anymore. Yeah. The rest are success stories. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've had people calling and saying, I, I just could not stop bawling watching. Uh, and I did not know. I had no idea. This was like putting a fish hook in the water. And once you bite on the bait, then it's, that's it. This is yep. a lifelong problem that you're going to deal with. Yep. And so fortunately, those people who, uh, you know, did survive and, and they're always in recovery. Yep. You know, as you know, with your podcast, you know, yep. this is not something you close the door on these cravings come back and you know we we interviewed a doctor 
and um, we found out that just one time completely rewires the physiology and, and of your brain so that you will fight it even once you're off of it. it's a craving that just does not go away and fortunately the the good news is that he's experimenting or they're doing alternate therapies which put like little electrodes behind ears called the bridge and um these things will help in taking away the cravings uh you know the substitute drugs do and, and methadone suboxone etc yeah. those, those are designed to do that but there's still an opioid you know yeah I, and i really want to stress that all the drug addicts i met i loved them yeah. these were more sensitive people they were very empathetic and caring people these weren't bullies or criminals or gangsters at all they were very very sensitive mm -hmm. Yep. I really I, can't tell you how much like I can relate to that. I can definitely relate to that because of all the people we've interviewed. So can people watch Survivors? Is it available yeah. online somewhere? Put, how do they watch it? We put it up on YouTube. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we can send you the address and if you could share that, that would be really great because getting the message out. <laughs> we know about how to make films and, and TV shows, but we don't miss there's not to get people because you know normally when i make a show it's going to a network and they're going to put it on or, they're the ones who are going to promote it exactly yeah absolutely yeah, exactly. i will definitely i will definitely put the link up and um i will i will read it too and i will put it in the show notes so that people who are only doing the audio can hear it or see it in the show notes and then i will put up a slide and i will um I will put the link to the film. Now, just really quickly, though, you guys also have a foundation, correct? Yes, we do. We established a 501c3 uh, foundation. It's called Not One More Time. So you can find the link uh, even embedded in our website, notonemoretime.com okay. or notonemoretime.org. And that will lead you to the actual movie on uh, YouTube. But the intention of the foundation is to... Um, not only a raise of awareness, but um, we intend to pursue further projects such as awareness things that will, you know, hopefully be warning signs for, for people. And uh, I'll allow my wife to, to you know, tell what those are, but we, we want to reach basically three more different audiences. Yeah, um, my, my big goal is to get people to think before they do this and i think you have to start at like the age of six unfortunately mm -hmm. uh, we heard stories about what's going on parties with 14 year olds where they get drunk and there's actually drug dealers coming to the parties looking for the kids and they can go one corner and do ecstasy they can do heroin in another corner and so on uh, it's terrifying and it is the, terrifying the and, and now a lot of times um, kids are getting on social media and they're deciding they want to try a Xanax, but the Xanax that they get is actually fentanyl and it, it, they, they don't they get addicted, die. they die. Yeah. Um, okay, notonemoretime.com. Not one more. Yeah, that's right. Time.org. Well, yep. I want to explain that if we, oh, I have three different Emmy nominated directors that one actually has an Emmy, and we're going to do um, small documentaries 
probably in animation as well for schools because we got to get over all these prejudices and get to the kids thinking and figure out how we train them to know that you can't do this. This isn't something you can do. They know not to shoot themselves in the head, but they don't know not to take this drug, the not to take this pretty colored pill that can be fentanyl related. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it looks like a sweet tart. Yeah. So we're mm -hmm. looking at the, maybe the age of six, eight, 10, 12. They're particularly geared to that age group. And right. also, I think we want to do a contest within all the film schools of the country where they can win a nice award if they, they uh, do a, a drug PSA for us. I like uh, that. That's awesome. By them doing it, they got to think about what are the problems, how can we do it, and the kids themselves will be doing it. Maybe we could do it in high school as well, because you can actually, with the cell phones today, you can do very good quality yep. little yep. videos. And yep. they'd be great for TikTok. We could put them on TikTok and Instagram yep. and Reels. Mm -hmm. We could really promote them. So Yep. That's our big goal in life. I love it. I, I really don't want to. I love it. I, 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 I appreciate you both so much. I appreciate what you're doing. And I also appreciate you taking the time out from your vacation to talk to us today. And I will definitely put up how to watch the film, how to find your website. And I thank you. Thank you both so much. Well, thank pleasure. you for talking to us. <laughs>